welcome to the Native Informant Podcast. Thank How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for being here. Honestly, this has been a long time coming. We've been trying to do this podcast for like 7,000 years. Exactly. And I'm so <laughs> I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to sit down. Me too. So just to kind of get the show on the road, I want you to tell the audience about yourself. Who is Iman and what's her backstory? I feel like that changes every three to six months <laughs> or who I am who I continue to find myself to be in this world. I feel like it's constantly changing. But where I originate, I'll start with that. I would say I'm a normal American girl, <laughs> small small town, brown girl who grew up in, in a small country town in Northern California. But I think I definitely have a more layers than just that. I am a daughter of immigrants. So my parents immigrated to the States from Egypt in the late 70s, early 80s, just to give my me and my sister a better life. I think that that is something that I always really struggled with. I am very proud of my upbringing. I'm very proud of my culture, but it definitely is something that I struggled with growing up is this idea of my identity and not necessarily how I identified myself. Like I, I know what I identify as. I've always identified as a woman of color, an Egyptian woman, an African woman, an Arab woman, a Muslim woman. But I, I struggled with this idea of how does my identity and this like woven cloth of who I am culturally fit into the society that I was growing up in. I grew up in a, in a teeny tiny country town south of the San Francisco Bay Area, which for those of you that aren't familiar with that area of the world, it's known to be rather culturally diverse and this melting pot and, and liberal and forward thinking and the town I grew up in was definitely not a reflection of that. We were one of the only Middle Eastern Arab families growing up in, in that little town by the name of Hollister. What up, Hollister, California? <laughs> and it was something that I really struggled with. I often found that I had to live this double life just to feel like I'm fitting in or even getting by a lot of my counterparts. You know, they had quite liberal upbringings and were able to go to prom and do all of these things that I necessarily wasn't able to be a part of. I grew up in a pretty strict household. And so I think I really struggled with that and kind of carried that throughout my life. And I didn't really realize how the complexities of my culture and that coinciding with me as a woman learning and growing and trying to figure out who I was taking up space in this body of mine, that my deepest and my darkest toughest days would eventually lead to me truly understanding my purpose and eventually creating a brand and a business out of just that. A few years ago, I, I founded a, a feminine and a sexual health brand by the name of Kedish. The sole mission behind the brand was to give women a different experience than the experience that I had, whether it was providing them with products that were safe and credible and effective, that truly centered around all things feminine health and wellness, um, but also a safe space to provide women with the education and the resources and access to experts to truly understand their feminine health in a way that removed those cultural barriers that so often get in the way, especially I think in our culture in the Middle Eastern culture that get in the way of women understanding and taking care of their feminine health. 
around 2021. I was away at school and college and I decided to go visit a gynecologist for the very first time. I had been sexually active for a couple of years. And I remember friends encouraged me to go and 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 see a gynecologist, get checked, you know, all the all the health stuff. And I said, okay. And it was a result of that very first gynecological exam that I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And you can imagine just hearing that the C word at that age was very terrifying. And I just remember thinking back to my upbringing, you know, the the topics of sex, sexuality, our bodies, risks, and things that can happen if you engage in those types of activities, what it could lead to was never really a topic of conversation an open conversation in my household. When you're hit with something that serious and that heavy, the first thing you do is pick up the phone, you call your mom, you call your dad to look to lean to them for support. And I felt like I couldn't out of fear of disappointing them, out of fear of potentially losing them which is, I think, a very big fear in in our culture, in our society, Um, I decided to keep my diagnosis to myself and to really travel that road on my own. And a lot of that came from, from shame. It was going through that experience and learning about my body and realizing how delicate my intimate and my, and my sexual health and my feminine health was that really led me to changing my entire <laughs> career path and um, creating a, a brand and a name for myself that really centered around feminine and sexual health. When I think about the two biggest goals that I had for this brand, the first goal was getting the conversation started, getting people talking about this such, such a taboo topic that um, had gone unspoken for so long. And when I think about thousands of messages that we received as a brand or as an individual, the publications that we were presented in, the panel talks, the podcasts, I can look back and I can honestly say like, check, goal, goal number one, achieved. I would say that the second major goal and really at the, the core, the mission behind Kaddish was, again, to to give women that different experience than, than the one that I had. And I think that we truly started to do that. We started to make those waves. We were one of the first feminine wellness brands uh, sold in Sephora Middle East on the shelves in stores. And I think that just goes to show that people were ready for this tide to turn, unfortunately. And This is the first time that I've spoken about this publicly. (laughs) I think it makes it really hard to to speak about because then it it means that it's real. But unfortunately, we've had to stop operations with Kedish and and it was something that was very unfortunate and very unexpected and very much out of my control and still a very tough pill for me to swallow. And although I, I, I look at that chapter and it makes me sad to have to close that chapter outside of my own control, it makes me excited for this next chapter to unfold because I know that my mission is not done. I know that I stood true to my mission and maybe because of that, that's why parts of that might have led to its closure, but I'm excited for this next chapter. And although I'm still walking in this in this vein of my mission, it might not be with the same vehicle 
as Kaddish, but I'm still able to work in this space. And so I now have the opportunity to work with other brands and other founders, largely female founders and women in business that want to create brands and products within those brands of impact. And um, it's really, it's really exciting time. I think that it's an opportunity for me to take all of these experiences that I went through throughout my professional career, but specifically in creating Kaddish where um, I now get to kind of pour all of those learnings with these other brands and founders that I'm now working with. And one in particular, I still am in this space of feminine and sexual health. I'm I'm working with a brand by the name of Modge, which is an incredible brand founded by a small but mighty group of Arab women who are creating sexual health and reproductive health products by Arab women for Arab women. A lot of the content education is in Arabic. And so they're really doing, or we are doing some really incredible work. And I'm really excited. And I think that although Kedish's closure was devastating for me, um, it made me realize that my mission and continuing to do the work that I do, it doesn't have to be in one little facet and one little vehicle, and it doesn't have to look the way that I thought it would look at the beginning, that it can take shape and it could change and it could mold. And especially when I realized that I may be in situations and in circumstances that or aligned with people that don't believe in my mission and don't believe in that same purpose, that it's okay to change and to mold and to separate myself from those individuals. It's so interesting that you say that because I find that when people strive to create something that is quite daring or socially controversial, they have to find ways to eliminate the obstacles for other people. So it's the classic line of may the bridges I burn light the way. And for you, you had to go through so many trials and tribulations and obstacles within that experience in order for you to come out the other end with a product or a brand that really spoke to and from the people that were part of that community. I think you're right. Whenever you are doing something different and daring and you're going against the grain, you really have to equip yourself (laughs) with an armor. I think whenever you're building something from the ground up, it is scary and treacherous and you're going to have trials, tribulations and pitfalls. But especially when you're doing something around a topic that is so taboo. I think in my case, I've always been quite rebellious. I've never really been fearful of speaking out or going against what the masses might feel is right. Um, so I, I didn't necessarily have fears around that. I think for for me, it was more so getting out of my own way and trusting and believing that I could make this happen. In my professional experience, I think I've been quite lucky in a sense that I've been able to work with so many women and women in powerful positions that I've been able to look up to and and see almost a, an example, a guiding light, if you will, that shows me that, okay, well, if, if they look like this and they are a part of this same culture and community and they can make this happen, then you know, what is stopping me or why can't I make it happen for myself? I think that that has been twofold for me, although I've had such amazing examples of strong women 
being able to make things happen. I've had some pretty challenging experiences with regards to what that support looks like, especially when the going gets tough. And I think for for me specifically in relation to the business that I was creating, I really had to anchor myself in my purpose and really dig deep and understand why it was that I was doing what I was doing. And I always anchored myself in that. Everything that I did as a woman in business, as an entrepreneur, was anchored in that purpose and giving women a different experience. My motivations had very little to do with financial gain. And as I started kind of peeling back the layers and really understanding who I was surrounding myself with in business and specifically in the brand that I was creating, I I unfortunately realized and I learned that not everyone has the same motivations. And I think that that was a very hard pill to swallow, especially because a lot of the reason why I felt empowered enough to even start my business in the first place was because of very specific female role models that I looked up to. And when I joined forces with these particular individuals, I realized that our motivations were very different. And it was a it was a sad realization. And I think that's why I would encourage and I would tell any woman in, in business or any woman trying to do something very different is understand and anchor your purpose because there are going to be a lot of things that happen throughout your road that try to knock you off of that. And it is as important as it is for you to anchor yourself in your purpose, it's also important to align yourself with people that understand that purpose and have the same motivations, values, and ways of working in business or in life (laughs) in general, because without that synergy, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. When discussing business, it's really interesting because there are so many different, I guess, ideologies or analogies that we can put in place that would speak to the experience of business. And one of them that really kind of resonated, at least with my own personal experience, is the idea of tall poppy syndrome. Mm. And for those of you listening who don't know what tall poppy syndrome is, it comes from the, the the growth of poppies in a field. And if all the poppies kind of grow at the same height, it creates a beautiful kind of synergy or visually impactful camaraderie that you see. But then there comes a point where there will be a poppy that grows higher or faster or stronger than the rest of the poppies. And so the natural inclination for people to do, whether they are aware of it or not, is to snip that poppy down to ensure that everyone grows at the same pace. When you apply that line of logic into business or even just personal relationships with people, do you feel that in your experience for any project that you've worked on in the past or any brand that you've been working on, do you feel like that type of analogy applies? I do. I I think the unfortunate experience or the unfortunate side of business, especially being a woman is in business, is the sad realization that this happens quite prevalently when it comes to women specifically. And I have experienced this a lot in in my professional career, just as much as I've had a lot of strong female mentors to look up to. I've also had those relationships take a turn and a lot of it having to do with just that. It's often those 
people, those mentors that are meant to support you and be a guiding light and to kind of give you that push and that elevation into the right direction that are often the ones that put you in that same little box and put you on a shelf to remind you of where they think you belong in comparison. I'll use a specific example. There was a situation quite quite recently, a few years ago. I had launched my brand and my business and we were getting a lot of amazing publicity, but also just notoriety in in some of the things that we were doing and the change and the impact that we were creating within this environment, specifically around the ideals around feminine and sexual health. There was an event that was put on by a pretty big publication where they were awarding individuals that were making impact within different industries in the world. One of my mentors and someone that I had admired and respected for a very long time was being awarded at this specific event. I also was invited to this event because of the work that I was doing with my brand and with my business and the change that we're created, creating. And it was quite exciting. And I felt very honored to be amongst other individuals in this room. And there were so many things that happened behind the scenes, but it was such a, a bittersweet situation for me because I received word that this specific individual or this specific mentor of mine asked the question, how did Iman get an invite to this? Why has Iman been invited to this event? There was also this notion or something that was said to the effect of, we thought that the attendees would be more high caliber than me. <laughs> and that must have been really hard to hear. And certainly if this was a group of people that you respected and you really cared for and you looked up to. It was devastating because I think for me, it made me realize this person that I thought there was such a mutual love and respect for, I, I, I realized that that love and respect only went so far. It also made me realize that yeah, that, that fears and insecurities often get in the way of this idea of women supporting other women. And it took me a long time to get to this point, but I think I had two realizations after that experience. One is that whatever was said or whatever that thought was from that particular individual spoke volumes to their character and to the fears and insecurities that they had. And unfortunately, I think what a lot of people forget is that whenever you shine light on someone else, the idea is that you shine that light and you shine it so bright and you give energy. As long as you do that from pure intentions, the light is naturally going to bounce back and shine yeah, brighter absolutely. onto you. And unfortunately, they didn't have that understanding. And I think a lot of that had to do with this idea of insecurity and, and fear that whatever it is that was going on over here and what I was building and creating potentially made them feel like it was taking away from, from their time, their shine, their spotlight. I think it took me also even longer to get to this point, but I realized that it actually was a compliment to, to understand and to, to kind of conceptualize that their fears and their insecurities was in direct correlation to my own power and what I was doing. And I, I think it took me a long time because I, I consider myself quite a, a humble 
person where I don't always realize my power and I don't always realize the magnitude of the day-to-day things that I'm doing and building. And I think I, I had to rationalize that very hurtful situation and realize that it was actually a compliment to the change that I was making, to the impact that I was having. And I had to walk away from that with a very wounded heart and a very sad realization that not everyone wants the best for you. And unfortunately, it is often those that are closest to you that will try to put you in a box and put you where, where they think that you belong. But a lot of that has to do with your power. And and I, I kind of take that and I put it into my back pocket and, and, and I move forward in that way. And I think being a woman in business, although I've had these very ugly and hard situations and tough pills to swallow, I've also had some really amazing experiences as well. And I've kind of clung on to those experiences. I think specifically in this realm of feminine health, sexual health, it is such a small group of us, especially in this region and in the Middle East, there are such a small group of us women that are really trying to turn the tide and make change. And although I've seen the ugly side of women not supporting other women. I've also seen a very beautiful side where a lot of these women specifically in this industry and in this space realize that it's not necessarily other women trying to take a piece of your pie. There is so much power in us joining forces and coming together and driving our missions forward only make the pie bigger. And I think if I didn't have those two opposing experiences where, you know, being dragged down and being put into that box and being made smaller by someone, by a woman that I admired versus, you know, this whole community of loud, proud support, I wouldn't be able to see those differences so clearly. That's a really beautiful message to send to people that, you know, whenever there's darkness there's always light at the end of the tunnel what is also kept in the dark will always come to light so irrespective of whether you've had tough experiences with certain individuals their true colors will eventually unfold and people will see them for who they are and i i I truly believe that uh, for anyone and i think what's also really interesting is that i've had conversations with people where we've talked about the fact that when it comes to men, men turn to, I guess, violence physically and women turn to violence uh, through words. And that's in the form of reputation destruction or sabotaging women from the perspective of character assassination. And what I've found as well in my experience with working with women is that I've had very, very similar moments that you speak of where you feel like you have an ally and that allyship only goes so far until it starts to infringe on their experience and starts to entrench on their insecurities. And because you end up becoming a mirror, you reflect their insecurities so clearly and so effortlessly that the only way for them to reconcile and make peace with who they are is to walk away from that mirror. They mm. they cannot face it. And it takes... Um, a level of accountability and self-awareness to be able to do that. And, you know, for those women, and at least in my experience, for the women that are watching, and I and I know you're watching, at the end of the day, we know how to empower these women. We know how to empower each other. And on that note, I kind of wanted to move into that bracket of when you are in a combative stage with women. It can either go down the the, the road of envy or it can go down the road of jealousy. And when we talk about the fundamental difference between jealousy and envy, jealousy is, I want what she has. 
And envy is, I want what she has and I don't want her to have it. And I've faced more envy than I have jealousy from women, which I think is a lot more problematic. And with your experience, whether it's with anyone that you've worked with, which side of that unfortunate level of toxicity do you feel like you have dealt with more? I think for for me, I definitely have, I've experienced these feelings myself, but I, I constantly challenge when these feelings come up for my, for myself towards another individual, I find myself constantly checking those feelings at the door and trying to get a deeper understanding of why am I feeling this way? If I see something that someone has that I might want to, or, or that spark these feelings of either jealousy or envy, it's like, what, why do I feel this way? What do I feel? What, what are these goals that I'm looking to attain? in my life and are they aligned with whatever it is that I am seeing that I that I am envious of or jealous of and how am I pushing myself to work towards my own goals to to be able to attain the things that I want so that I don't harbor these feelings of fear because I do think that any way you try to look at it whether it's jealousy or envy it's because of fear. It's because of insecurity. Either you are, one, fearful that you're going to lose whatever it is that you have, so you don't want this other person to encroach on that, or this fear and this insecurity that you will never have those things. And I think for me, I, I try to check myself whenever I I have those little glimmers or those little feelings. I think experiencing it on on like the the receiving end from other people, it's always been a very tough or interesting experience for me. I think sometimes I arrive late to the party. I don't always realize that it's happening. And maybe it's because of sheer ignorance or because I don't want what other people have. Yeah. I am in this understanding and in this frame of thought that there are a lot of lanes on the highway. And there is space for all of us and we can all get there and we're probably all going to get there at a different speed and a different pace, but, but we can get there and maybe we're going different places and we have different routes and that's okay. I don't want what you have. And I remember having a conversation with someone that I had worked for in the past and I remember sitting in their office and their office was, was beautiful glamorous, if you will. And it, and it was, it was something really to look up to and to, to, to really say like, wow, someday to have this corner office with all of these things and trinkets. And I remember that they said to me, it was a tough conversation that we were having where I think that there was some misalignment. The person said to me, I know you look around and, or you want these things and you think that it was so easy to get to this place. And I remember it was quite jarring because I never had those feelings. Yes, I looked around and I thought, wow, this is something really to aspire to. But it didn't mean that I wanted their seat behind the other side of that desk. It meant that I want to get to this place of, of comfort. I want to get to this place of not power in a sense of of being able to hover over others, but power to, to make change and to create change. Those were the things that I looked up to, not the material things or or not to push this person out of the way, but to create my own lane and to achieve things in my own right. And I think that that's where I, that's one of the first times that I learned that, wow, we as individuals, we as women in, in business, we 
we have such different interpretations of these of these things. I always think to myself, because whenever I have these conversations with people, it ultimately comes down to like, can we all just get along? Like, honestly, I'm not taking a slice out of your pie. I'm not here to entrench on your goals and aspirations. We're here as our own sovereign entity trying to make our way through this world. And it's as simple as that. I think what's also important to note that like, this is in no way bashing women or, you know, trying to advocate for the demise of women in any capacity. It's more to bring to light the fact that we always talk about toxic masculinity there's also toxic femininity it's important that we speak truth to those experiences but i wanted to end on a very important conversation that i think a lot of women are struggling in this day and age and that is the subject of feminism and the definition of modern day feminism yeah, uh, this is a, a conversation. I feel like it kind of comes about every couple of years and I, I tend to like tweak and refine my own definition. I was I was dating someone like a year, a year ago, and I remember we were having this conversation and he was try- low-key trying to convince me that the definition of feminism automatically is in this vein of that women should be more superior than men or that if you claim to be a feminist, it automatically means that you feel that men are inferior. Feminism means giving women an equal playing field, regardless of their race, regardless of their religion, their socioeconomic background, affording them the opportunities to be and to have the same opportunities, regardless of how they identify in this world or where they come from. And as a woman, I can have the same opportunities professionally as a man or my male counterpart. We go to school, we get the same degree, we follow the same path, that just because of my biological makeup and some of the things that I might experience as a woman, my unique experience as a woman, that that does not demote me on that same path. And and I, I know that I'm speaking about it in, in more of a professional sense, but I think that this also relates to the same opportunities with with health and wellness, you know, affording women the same opportunities and access to medication to study our bodies being studied in the same way that the male body is being studied. And I think I, it took me a long time to get to this definition of feminism, that it does not mean that we are superior or that to be a feminist, it means that I have to drag down my male counterparts. It's just that I want that same seat at the table regardless and embracing this unique experience that we do have as women and it not being a barrier to our opportunities and what we are able to attain in this life. So what does the future look like for Iman? What does the future look like? Um, I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) I'm a Scorpio. We are known to rise from the ashes like a phoenix every single time the house burns down. And I am walking out of a chapter where I have experienced an immense amount of loss, whether it be in relationships, going through a divorce, losing a business. I've experienced a lot of my house of cards crumbling behind the scenes. And I'm excited for this next chapter because it feels like I am just now rising from those ashes and that I am the most equipped, I am the most empowered, I am the most 
sure of myself than I have ever been in my entire life. And it's because of those really challenging experiences that I've been through that I now have this understanding of who I am and what I bring to the table. So in terms of what's next, it's, you know, look out. There might be a Kedish 2.0 coming up soon. Um, But also just really excited to be to be working with these other brands and these other female founders and and really giving them a different experience than the one that I had to continue to create change in this world, specifically in this space of feminine and sexual health, to continue to change the narrative and to provide women with that different experience that I always wanted to give them. So I'm excited. I'm excited. It's scary, but I'm excited. Thank you so much, Iman. Honestly, this conversation could have gone on for the next 7,000 hours, but I wish you the best of luck on all your future endeavors. And for those of you who are listening or watching on any platform, please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell and see you next time. See you. Thank you.